Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. Today, my guest is Jenny Wright and we're talking about virtual summits. Virtual summits are great for guests. You get all that exposure. Great for attendees, you get crystallized genius and community. But they're also great for the organizers too and we're going to dive deep into virtual summits. So welcome along and let's meet Jenny. So this week, I'm really excited to welcome Jenny Wright to the show. Jenny, I'm probably more excited, I, I say this to lots of guests, but I'm probably more excited to speak to you than I have been a lot of guests for a long time because your topic, your area is of self-indulgent importance to me. And it's my podcast, so that's okay. So Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate it. So for those people who don't know you, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do. I'm located in Toronto, Canada. Uh, we had a great conversation saying where my history ha- happens to be more Irish than Scottish, but that's neither here nor there for this conversation. But I'm in Toronto, Canada. <laughs> there you go. And I have been an entrepreneur now for nine years minus one day. So my nine-year anniversary will be at the time of this recording. It'll be tomorrow. And prior to that, I just worked in marketing and communications and investor relations and all these different types of things that were sort of setting me up for success. And I never actually ever thought I would be an entrepreneur. Well, happy anniversary for tomorrow. Thank you. Now, the one thing that I really want to talk to you about is summits. Now, I know you do other things as well, and I would like to talk about those things too. But one of the highlights that jumps out when I look across your ecosystem is you've been involved in facilitating over 200 or 250 virtual summits. At the point where we're recording this, I'm about to hit 300. Oh my God. Now you see, this is being asked by me, somebody who really doesn't understand what behind the scenes of a virtual summit is. And if you're doing that many, am I right in thinking it's kind of one of your main things? Yes, I am. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's something that I find very easy to do because project management and event management and creation and strategy happens to be something that feels very natural for me. And it's, it, just, it just feels good to be able to help people grow their email lists and facilitate seeing them transform their businesses through an online summit. So for the listener that doesn't really understand what a virtual summit is, how do you describe a virtual summit? How do you define it? I define it in two ways. So I'll define it in the mechanics and then I'll define it in the more up in the cloud sort of version. So the mechanics of an online summit is a three-day or a five-day or even a 10-day virtual online event where there's 20 or even 50 experts who have all been possibly pre-recorded with interviews or sessions talking about their thing, their, their great niche that they discuss. And then those are released over that three or five or 10 days And the whole goal is to transfer credibility from the experts to you, the host, and to build your email list, which we do that with the, with the experts promoting it. So that's the mechanic. The up in the cloud sort of version is an online summit is an incredible way to grow your reach, to become an expert or seen as an expert in your niche, to connect and create amazing relationships with other like-minded experts and to attract your ideal client. So. There are two places I'd like to go. 
Actually, there's more than that, but there's there's two foundational places I'd like to go. Uh, the first one is, for somebody that kind of knows what a virtual summit is, wants to to maybe move from, they might they might have been looking at list building from a, a lead magnet perspective, and they might have upgraded to trying to run a challenge or something like that. And now they're they're quite comfortable with the challenge. They're cruising along with that. They want to level up. They want to level up to a summit. What would you say... You can't jump straight into a 50-speaker summit when you're doing it on your own. So if you're going to be doing it, bootstrapping it, what's what's a sensible place to reach for your first attempt? That's a good question. I like that one a lot, actually. Uh, sensible tends to be different for different people. Some people have a low threshold for stress or the ability to multitask. So if multitasking... If sitting in a conversation and multitasking with five or six people gives you a little bit of hives, then (laughs) when you're planning your first summit, you're going to want to limit the amount of experts and you're going to want to reduce the amount of stress. So you might do something as simple as seven experts, or you might do something as simple as 12 experts. You don't have to do 50. 50 is what some of the big producer you know, the big summits are, or people like myself, the, the more seasoned producers can do, but it doesn't have to be that big. Then again, if you, you know, if, if it feels comfortable for you to juggle three plates in the air with one hand and have a ball spinning on your foot, then it's quite possible that you would be very well inclined to do something with more experts. I do like to start with about 20. 20 to 24 is the sweet spot. It's not too much to get stressed out completely, but it's enough to create a good list build and a really good transfer of credibility. You do run the risk if you're running a summit with only seven or 10 people because you're trying to mitigate stress of having a smaller list build and then looking at yourself later going, why did I put in all that much work to receive only this much in the end? Yeah, so the other question then is if you want to go big. If you want to go big, you can't really do that alone and one of the things sort of having seen how you operate around a summit is teamwork makes the dream work and if you are quite well established in your business and you have some resources to put into a project like this what should your summit team look like that's a really good question if you have the resources to put some some money or some, you know, some resources into having the right kind of team, then having a summit producer is the first person. They're the strategist, they're the planner, they figure out where everything is going to go, how it starts, and they also tell you the best possible way to succeed. The other person you're probably going to absolutely need is a copywriter. Even though you might be really good at copy, you probably shouldn't be writing your own. I've worked with award-winning authors and people who are really great at copy, but the problem is is that they may not be good at high conversion sales copy, which is what we need for a summit. The other person that's really amazing to have is a graphic designer. And they don't have to be $100 an hour either. You could get a great graphic designer that is much more reasonable that you can have just for the summit. These are all freelancers. You don't have to hire anybody full-time. They're here for the summit. You might work with them after if you really love them. And then the last very necessary component, the necessary person, is a tech-minded, administrative-minded virtual assistant to help Mm. with speaker management, to answer emails, to take care of customer care, to help 
uh, gather links and information and just do a little bit of the nitty gritty that you don't want to have to do that they can take from your plate because the main goal is you want to focus on the interviews. Now, if you have a little bit of extra resources, you may need somebody to edit your videos if you're doing a video interview summit and it wouldn't be a terribly bad idea to have somebody assist with the social media. That's, but that's like beautiful pie in the sky dream of a team, right? And then, you know, if you're gonna do ads, you might need a Facebook ads person. But if you're going to bootstrap it, I would still say that you need a virtual assistant, possibly to assist you. And you could use somebody like myself, a summit producer who does the strategy and the implementation so that you're not trying to do it all yourself. And you can still do that at the bootstrap level. It's just a little bit of an investment. So a lot of people listening might be thinking, holy crap, I thought this was going to be easy. I guess there is the question of input and output. So yeah, it maybe sounds like a lot of work to put on a virtual summit, but you work with a lot of people doing this and they do it and they take it seriously because it works. But it maybe paint the picture for the listener. What does what does it look like when it works? What, is, what does it mean for the business owner? It's a transformation. It's a complete transformation for the owner. So for the business owner, the quote unquote host, this could be something where you could add anywhere between 1,000, 2,000, 9,000, 15,000 people to your email list, which will change your entire life. It also elevates you as an expert. You go from unknown to known if you're brand new and you're getting asked to be on podcasts, you're getting asked to appear on stages, you're getting asked to participate in joint venture opportunities which bring in more money. And the other thing is, is the ROI. The distinct ROI from a summit is that, one, that list build that I just mentioned, but it's also sales. So if you have what we call an, um, an all access pass, an AAP, or some people call it a, a VIP, then you're charging for elevated access in the summit. So the summit is completely free, but you're charging for some elevated access. So that's a, you know, a call with you or a course access, things like that that somebody can consume and pay for. So you're looking at creating some revenue from that. And then you're always building a summit and launching it with the goal of launching something off the back end, coaching, program, course, so then you're actually boosting your sales. So you're creating this great list injection, which I, which I think summits are, they're great list injections. And then you're launching your program, product, or service. So you'll have a better result. So there's two revenue points there. There's the in-summit revenue, and then there's the post-summit revenue. Mm-hmm. When you are looking at things like the all-access passes or the VIP passes, how significant can the revenue from the in-summit action be? It can be really, really good. So it depends on it depends on what's in the package. A package that feels like somebody put it together at a garage sale is not going to convert very well, and it's <laughs> not going to do you any favors in the long run. These have to be very well thought out. So in my niche, usually it's somebody who, you know, because I have a summit at the time we're recording this, I'm planning my own summit as well as literally handling dozens of other ones at the time that I'm doing this. And my VIP will consist of a call with me. It'll also consist of access to a course that I've already produced and is ready to go. It'll also have access to some of my experts' bonuses. So my experts are actually providing a bonus. So there's a really good tip, by the way. 
is mm. getting your experts to provide a bonus that you can add to your VIP package to make it more, a little bit more tempting. Um, and so, yes, there are, there are sales. You can, you can definitely get those sales during the summit. You can grow your list. Let's, let's talk about the low end. Let's just say you get a thousand people into your brand new summit. Congratulations. It's a thousand more people than you ever had. For some people that is a business launcher. They've never had anybody before. So I've launched businesses with summits from zero to a thousand. From that thousand, if you have a really good conversion rate, something like the average conversion rate for a VIP is somewhere between two and 5%. But if we do it really well, and I've done this before many times, it can be something like 22%. 22%, yes, 22% of a thousand people is not a bad thing. And if you're charging $67, as, a, you know, as an example, for a VIP package, that's not a bad chunk of change. Mm. Right? Certainly. Would, would at that level, looking at your dream team, would that in-summit revenue cover the costs of the summit? No. So you never look at a summit and think, wow, I'm going to make enough from my VIP or my AAP to cover the cost. Your ROI is always going to be in the two weeks post, in the three months post, and the six months post. Mm. So you're looking at the immediate revenue creation through the AAP or VIP which you'll have finalized within, you know, like a week of the summit, quite honestly. And then you're looking three months out, which is where you're getting your immediate sales by doing, maybe you're doing some webinars and you're closing into a one-on-one coaching package. And then you have your six months out where you've sent additional emails to the people who have participated on the summit to maybe book a call with you or buy a program, product or service. And you're still seeing some of that income. So I've done summits. I'll give you an example. I had a client who is, was in the early, like low six figures. We did a summit together. She ended up add, adding, I think it was about 5,500 people to her list, which was great. Nothing to, you know, nothing to look down your nose at. From that, while she was on the summit, she ended up closing $10,000 in VIP sales. Great. Half of that went to a charity, by the way. Mm. Right after the summit, we did three webinars. As soon as she completed those three webinars, she was selling in those webinars, she was selling to a six, like a, sorry, pardon me for getting mixed up, but she was selling uh, from those webinars into a $10,000 per person coaching package. And off of the first webinar, she closed hundred thousand dollars in sales. Nice. Right. And the other two webinars closed for like, you know, was it 400? Um, yeah. She closed four people, so that was 40 grand. And then on the last one, she closed something like five or six people. So that was another 50 or 60 grand, right? So the total accumulation of revenue generated from that summit within four weeks of closing that summit was getting close to $200,000. Which for a solopreneur business, I'm guessing, that's pretty life-changing. It can be. Now, that person wasn't a solopreneur, brand new person. That person was probably five or six years in business. But let's, let's look at a brand new person. So I did a summit with somebody. This was a business launching summit. They'd never done anything before. They were starting at zero. They were able to get to about 1860 on their summit. They had a very reasonable VIP package. It was only $67. They made, I think it was somewhere in the range of two, maybe three grand off of that. Not a huge amount. But what they were doing is once they were uh, selling the VIP, people were booking calls. And from the calls, they were selling them into 
I think it was a two or $3,000 coaching package. So before the summit even ended, they had already closed about $15,000 in business, which mm. when you're doing a, when you're launching a business, $15,000 cash injection is awesome. Yeah. Usually people are going the other direction. Exactly. Now there was an investment, obviously, to hire somebody like myself and to, you know, to, um, to have some graphic design done. They didn't have any Facebook ads. They just went all organic. So they saved some money there, but there is an investment, but they still, at the end of the day, after they paid me and their, you know, their graphic designers still ended up ahead and with a list of 1800 people. So something I would like to understand from you, and I don't know, I haven't really properly formulated this question in my head yet. But you take somebody that's brand new to business, not brand new to business, but they've really decided, okay, I want to go from being kind of known in my local area to being, to go big. I want to be known nationally, internationally. I want to, mo I want to migrate. I, I want to level up. Mm -hmm. I see summits as a great way to do that because you're judged by the company you keep. People see you aligned with people and they, I can't remember the word, but you probably know what I mean. Mm -hmm. that there's a, a reflected yes, yes. authority. Yes, it is what we call a transfer of credibility and transfer of authority. So just yes. by being in the presence of those people, you are seen in that light as well. And so opportunities become available to you that may not have been available before. And that's certainly something that I see happen all the time, but it happens slowly. This is the thing. You can appear on podcasts, uh, you can you can appear as a guest on summits and this process happens organically. It happens slowly. But I think when you host a summit, it allows you to really accelerate that process, which I think if fortune favors the bold. And I, I, I really like the idea of summits for, for some people, not necessarily for everyone. I am curious to know from you who should not host a summit? Mm -hmm. Who should really just not question. do it? <laughs> who should just not do it? Bob, that's a really interesting question that you're asking because if I was if I was the type of person that really just wanted to get lots of people knocking on my virtual door to work with me, I would say everybody. But the truth is not everybody. Not everybody should do a summit. Some people can't handle the, um, the pace or the stress or everything that kind of goes into it. There's other list builds that would be a fit for those people like a challenge or a series of webinars. Some people can't imagine or they're too nervous to interview 20 or 30 people. So for them, doing something different is very important. And then some people just don't want to grow their business in that particular way. But the weird thing is, is it's about the person, not the niche. I've done summits in almost every conceivable niche that you can think of, from sex ed to divorce to fourth element to people who believe that they're unicorns born on this earth. <laughs> you know, relationships, business. I've even done one about accounting. Yeah. Everybody can, everybody can do one. Every niche can handle it. However, not everybody should do one and it has to be relevant to the business. So there's another direction I'd like to go with this and that is, okay, maybe you don't want to host a summit, but maybe you want to start getting involved in supporting summits as a speaker or something like that. That's something I started doing a little bit and I really, really enjoy it. And I would say for most people, if they want to break into building their visibility, but they're not quite ready for that, for, for hosting, how would you advise they go about it? Because it's one of these things, a little bit like becoming a podcast guest, is once you're known as a podcast guest, the opportunities are up everywhere. 
but getting those first few opportunities are really difficult. I imagine it's quite similar with being a summit guest. What advice would you have to anybody that thinks, you know what, I quite like to do that, but I just, I don't know where to start. Another great question, Bob. And I mean, obviously we met through another summit and I got to see your session. Don't judge me. No, it was really, really good. It was really, really good. So I'm going to use you as my example. Now you have a podcast, which is great. So you already have a bit of a platform to come from. But people who don't have any platform, who've never done it before, are going to feel like this is a little daunting. So there's a couple of things that you want to do. One, you need to get your, all your ducks in a row. The Summit host is incredibly busy. They're trying to find really good experts. And the mark of a good expert is this. People who are organized, people who are honest and truthful, don't say that you have a 5,000 or a 10,000 person list if you have 500, <laughs> right? Also, people that understand what the game of a summit is. A summit really is a collaboration effort, a host taking all the responsibility in terms of building it out and then the experts that are on it, knowing how to participate. So if you want to get started, have a bio, have a couple headshots, preferably not selfies. We really don't like the selfie stuff, <laughs> right? Go create a folder on Google Drive that says Bob, you know, Bob's media folder. And it has your bio and it has your picture and it has the topics that you can speak about for about 20 minutes nonstop and really kill it, okay? Those would be, that would be the first step I would do. So have that little folder and, you know, go create a link for it. And it's like mine is, if you you guys can go and see mine if you want, it's jennywright.com forward slash media, right? So I have everything in there for anybody who wants to have me on a summit or a podcast, everything's there. So make your folder like that. The other thing is we have to get you on your first summit. And that's the hardest thing unless you know somebody sometimes. So the best thing you can do is if you have no audience and no list, you're going to have to work harder. And that means you're going to have to show up more where, you know, when, for being on the event, you're going to have to promote more than other people. And you're going to have to be a little bit more hungry for it. But as soon as you are able to get on your first summit, all the rest of them get a heck of a lot easier. So pitch people, get into pod, sorry, get into Facebook groups where people are talking about summits. There's tons of Facebook groups that are talking about summits and people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for speakers. I'm looking for a speaker for my event and, and I know I'm, they need to speak about this, 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 and this. And you're like, hey, I'm Jenny. I speak about ABC and XYZ, full transparency. My audience is small but growing, but I'm determined and I will do pretty much anything it takes to be an amazing guest for you. Let's connect, right? So you have to be willing to go the extra mile as a brand new speaker for summits. The other quicker way you can get to being a speaker on summits is go get yourself on some podcasts first because those are great training grounds. And like you were saying before, is once you're on something, it gets easier to get called back in and, and be an expert on more. So go and use your favorite podcasting platform, be it Podit or you know, Podchaser or all of these, you know, matchmaker.fm. There's so many of them out there and start pitching yourself. Now, just by the effort of pitching, you're gonna refine your messaging and you're gonna refine the way that you're coming across, which is something that's very important. And Eventually you'll get a yes, you'll get on some podcasts, and that way you can refine your messaging. The worst thing that you can do is position yourself and say, yeah, I'm, I'm an amazing expert for summits, even though you've done nothing before, and I'm a great speaker, even though you haven't really figured out your talk, 
and you have all this experience, which you have none of, and you have a great following, which you don't. So be honest, be upfront, because as a host or a producer like myself, we will find out. <laughs> we will see through the cracks and we don't, you'd never want to misrepresent yourself. So be honest and open. I've given, I've given so many people a shot. Right now I'm, I'm planning my own summit at the time we're recording this. And one of my experts who acts as a friend of mine said, hey, my husband's trying to break in. He's trying to get some clients. He's trying to break in, you know, to do some online speaking. How would you feel about having it as an expert on your event? He's got no following, but because he's my husband, I will like double my promo so that it kind of makes up for it. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Done. Easy. No worries whatsoever. Right. I had a conversation with him. He's a great guy. He has a great way of talking. I'm like, yeah, no worries. Somebody can take a chance on you. So also reach out to your, your potential people that you know, and just be like, oh, you're doing a, you're doing a summit. Would you be willing to have me as a guest? Yes, I know my following is really small, but here's what I'm willing to do to make up for that. And somebody's gonna say yes. As you may know, this show is supported by our sponsor, Agora Pulse. Now you know how hard it is to juggle all the things in your business. The accounts, the meetings, the never ending inbox. And that's why I teamed up with Agora Pulse to give you more than five hours back a week when it comes to managing your social media marketing. There are no complicated Excel docs, long emails, or millions of open tabs. Simply manage all your social media marketing channels in one place. Go to amplifyme.agency forward slash agorapulse and score two months free on me. Now, all you have to do is figure out how you want to spend those spare five hours. And I think something I would like to add for the listener is, you know those guys at school that always push their way to the front? Don't leave it all for them you need to sort of have a little bit of confidence as well. Yes. yes, you need to do all these things, Jenny said. But if you're good at what you do, you are an expert. Expert is a very relative term. You just need to know more than the person you're talking to. That's correct, yep. So have a little bit of confidence and put yourself forward for these things because it's so worthwhile. If hosting a summit can be life-changing, honestly, being a guest once can be life-changing. You just need to meet one person that opens another door and life will change. You'd be astonished at things that can happen. Something I'd like to understand from you as well, because it doesn't begin and end with summits. You're sort of the list building queen. And I would be interested from you to maybe just roll back to list building 101 and talk about lead magnets. Mm -hmm. Because I see so many lead magnets that suck. <laughs> yes. Uh, that you can see people put some effort into them. But... And a lot of the time I get to see the back end of how they're working and it's a car crash. They're just doing nothing. They maybe get one conversion a month if they're lucky. Mm. So from all your experience in the list building ecosystem, what would you say is the key ingredient of our lead magnet that's actually going to work? And I know you can't, we're not talking traffic here. We're talking a lead magnet that's going to convert given the right weather of traffic. That's a, yep, that's a great question. And I, I paused because I needed to think about it for a second. I wanted to give a really honest and thoughtful answer. The best part of that is something that creates a two-way conversation and provides help on the ideal client's journey. So if you think of your ideal client as being on a road and they're trying to get to their destination, which is the answer or the solution to the problem they're currently facing, whatever that is, and if 
The road they're starting on is a gravel dirt road and it, they can't go fast on it. They're not getting anywhere quick. It's uncomfortable to walk on or drive on. And it's full of potholes, it's muddy, it's just not all of the things. And your lead magnet takes them from that dirt crummy road to a nice paved you know, asphalt road. Then you've given them a way forward. You've given them some acceleration. And their journey isn't done yet. Your lead magnet doesn't solve their problem. It gives them insight into what it is and how they're going to be able to achieve success if they continue down that road. And the next step in the road, by the way, is you getting them onto the highway, the freeway, the, you know, whatever you want to call it. But the best lead magnets shine a light, tell people that they can do this, give them some insight into the how, not, or sorry, into the why, but not necessarily the how to, but also create two-way conversation. The worst lead magnet, the worst thing you can do is not create two-way conversation, which by the way, also includes follow-up. That's mm. the worst thing you can do is enter your name and email and I'll send you this great checklist and then I never email you again. That's a huge car wreck for lead magnets. Yes, yeah. I think especially if, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of obvious really, but actually surprisingly common that- Very. Yeah, you download a lead magnet you get the you get a follow up you maybe get two or three follow ups but then there's nothing there's no continued investment in that relationship and relationships take time to to nurture sales take time to happen you don't stay with the client when they're on that sales journey that buying journey which could be two weeks two months two years before they're ready to convert you've lost them so yeah that's really very powerful advice 100% on one level kind of obvious but it's obvious things people don't do a lot of the time Mm-hmm. So I have a couple more summit questions. Yeah. And the first one is, okay, you've put all this effort into creating a plan for a summit. You kind of know, you, you know, your speakers, you know, all the moving parts, you know, you're going to have to record things, you know, you're going to need some admin, but going to need people there. So you can pay for ads. You can, you can do organic content. You can get your guests to promote. But from a content perspective, how much content are you really going to need? Because, for example, the summit that you hosted, with, along with Daniela Nika, so well produced, but you had a ton of content. It was prolific. I mean, you were omnipresent. What would you say the sweet spot for content in across the arc of the summit should look like? I know it's a hard question to answer. It is, but, but it's but a good one. you probably have an idea. I do, I do. And I want to um, I want to sort of paint the picture, if I can, a little bit. The summit that you're referring to with our mutual friend, Daniela Nika, is somebody who is at a very advanced level. Somebody who has six or seven people on her team, who has availability of resources, has some monetary accessibility to put things into this. And the result is what... We, you know, what you saw, there was, like you said, it was omnipresent. There was a ton of content. It was an incredibly well put together summit. And I give kudos to her team for a lot of the success related to that. Now, if we bring it down to the, to the general level of people who are currently making, you know, five or low six figure or even mid six figure even like that kind of a summit at that level would have been challenging to produce. So let's talk about the content that people can do. 
you, depending on your level or ability to create content, that is the only barrier that's stopping you to create it. The other consideration is how much your guests can handle. If it's overwhelming, they will shut down. There is a sweet spot. The sweet spot tends to be that you're not taking over more than two or so hours in their day. Because if you are, then you're asking for a commitment that is farther, like further down what they could provide. Two hours a day is probably the maximum that I could give anything. So in that two hours, I will listen to maybe two or three interviews, maybe 20 or some odd minutes of each one. So that's three interviews or maybe even four maximum. And then I'll participate in an evening panel where I get to connect. I mean, Bob, you were on those panels. It was the middle of the night for you uh, because yeah. of the timing of them, but you were there. And there was a lot of people on those panels as you could have seen. So what we're talking about is daily interviews that are released, they're 20 minutes long. So taking a look at the length of your interviews with your experts, they should not be an hour long. Nobody has time for that right now. Don't do it. Breaking that into 20 or 30 minute interviews with your experts and then having some evening or midday panels where it's experts who come together on a Zoom room, let's say, and the participants can ask questions. And you as the host can sort of be the ringmaster and ask some really good questions of your panel experts and feed those panelists the questions from the audience. So that's a lot of content. The other content that is imperative is your email marketing, which is a mandatory thing as part of a summit. So those are the daily emails, the reminders of any panels, the hopeful push to get your AAP or VIP pass. So those things are sort of all encompassing with the content. Then there's gamification. Gamification is an advanced strategy of engagement. And with summits, we wanna create as much engagement as humanly possible because it helps us create that transfer of credibility from the expert to you. So things like running bingo. Bingo, I mean, every, who doesn't like bingo? I have not met one person who doesn't like bingo and if they did, they were lying, let's just be honest. <laughs> bingo is awesome. So doing something like running bingo or having hot seat coaching or other gamification tactics that create that two-way conversation and create engagement, those are the, those are the bar raising activities. So it depends on the person, Bob, what they're able to do, but the minimum viable content creation level should be your daily interviews, 20 minutes each. You're releasing three, maybe four a day, preferably. And then if you can handle it, do a panel. Honestly, even if you can't handle it, do a bloody panel, please. They are transformative <laughs> for your business. They really are. They create that transfer of credibility like nobody's business and they help highlight your experts. Your experts will love it because they get up there and they get to get on their little soapbox and talk about the great things. And it really creates a connection. I talked to, and it, this relates really interestingly, I talked to a gentleman earlier on today. His whole business is about creating human connection. He takes people out of their homes, takes them to like Papua New Guinea or something or Fiji, puts them there for a week with each other. He facilitates it. And by the end of it, they've created this massive human connection. And in a summit, we can do that just as well in three days, five days, 10 days, preferably not 10 days, too long, by the way, five days is ideal. Um, mm. Because we, we create, we start filling the gaps, right? People want so much help and they want that handholding. If you give them the handholding and you fill the gaps that are currently experiencing in their lives and you show them the map to get from that dirt road that I was talking about earlier onto the nice 
asphalted path or road, then they're going to become your super fans. And that's how you're going to create that transfer of credibility and boom, make an offer. It's a heck of a lot easier for people to say yes. I love it. The next question I have is to do with platform because obviously you have a lot of moving parts mm-hmm. and you need an infrastructure to underpin all of that. And I've seen things like Hey Summit and I know there are others. Do you have a favorite platform as a producer that you enjoy using? Are there any that you would avoid because you know there are bear traps? What, what advice would you have around the Summit platform that provides that architecture that it all sits on top of? Perfect. That's an, that's a really great question. And I'm, I'm going to give you my best possible advice. This is the advice coming from somebody who's been doing this for nine years, who's done 300 plus summits and who does this on a daily basis. There are always new and interesting and shiny things coming into the summit space, especially in the past year or so with the pandemic. We have all these brand new platforms that promise us the ability to run live events, have lots of connection, et cetera. So there's Hey Summit, Groove Funnels, um, gosh, there's like a whole bunch of them. Then there is the ones, there's the, the, the platforms that have been around a while, Kajabi, Kartra, as an example, right? So those are your all-in-ones, meaning you run your email marketing, and that's also, by the way, high level. So you run your email marketing, your funnel, your speaker management, like you can do kind of all of that within those three. And then there's the people like me who do what we call stacks. So this is where we bring together various different pieces of software for various different reasons that work all together to create a stack and it works very well. I don't like one size fits all solutions. So I don't use Kajabi. I don't use Kartra. I don't use lead pages and I don't use um, high level because I'm a real big believer after this many years and this many summits that everything in one place doesn't work great. And that, that flows for Groove Funnels as well. Nothing against Groove Funnels, they're an up and coming. But at the time of this recording, they are experiencing major difficulties with their email marketing. And mm. in a summit, you cannot have that happen. So no. my favorite stack, my favorite tech stack for a summit. My pen is poised. <laughs> is click funnels for my funnels because I can get the best high converting opt-in rates off of ClickFunnels, active campaign for my email marketing because they have a very intuitive UI and it's very easy to use and it has everything you need and nothing you don't. I like to use an external affiliate program like iDev Affiliate or even SamCart, doesn't matter, each one's fine. And then additionally, then I will look at using Vimeo or YouTube, depending on the client, to host my videos on. That's my normal tech stack. Now, Mm. I'll give you the reason why. I have worked in Kajabi, I've worked in Kartra, I've worked in GrooveFunnels, I've worked in high level, lead pages, you name it. And their pages at this particular time, at the time we're recording this, they don't convert as well. So I'll use myself as an example. I created a list build. At the time it was a challenge, it wasn't a summit. And I was running it out of Kajabi. I was trying Kajabi out because I was like, yay, all in one, let's go. And I was promoting my challenge. I had over a thousand people land on my page and my conversion rate was 14%, which is abysmal, abysmal. It was horrible. And I was so shocked. So I, that same day, I created the exact same landing page in ClickFunnels, 
Same copy, same look, same feel. Converted at 55%, same traffic source. That day. So do you know why? Yes. Our eyes are drawn. If you think about the way that people look at things when you watch TV or if you look at art, if you look at your partner's face, if you look at the face of a child, we look at the curvature, the shadows, the different levels. Your eyes pinpoint on different things because we love um, to look at diff different depth of field. If you look at great photography, great photography has depth of field. And if you're looking at page builders like Kartra, like Kajabi, like some of these other ones, their, their builders are very flat. We don't have the ability to add tons of really good shadow, parallax, uh, really great backgrounds, the ability to change the formatting. So there's a huge problem in Kartra, not Kartra, sorry, Kajabi, and a little bit, in, actually a huge problem in Groove right now, where you can't adjust the margins so that the, the text flows very, very well without coding. Okay, I'm talking about not coding. I'm talking about the regular person going in and building. Yeah. And what happens is it creates these huge gaps and it doesn't flow and we can't create that beautiful flow. And we also struggle to do things like that depth of field, shadow, highlights, which we can do with something in ClickFunnels. Now, ClickFunnels has been around for a while. They're not going anywhere as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I find that pages convert very, very well. I do summits on there. I'm talking 50, I have a summit running on ClickFunnels right now for a client and it is 56% conversion rate. I have another one going right now on ClickFunnels. It's running at 52. I have one going right now for a client on lead pages. It's converting at 34. These are not, they're not the same thing. They're not apples to apples. Mm. So that's, that's really, really interesting. I would never have guessed that the difference would be that extreme. I think I'm going to have to going to have a talk with myself. <laughs> well, and people and people do disagree with me on that, but you can't disagree with the math. You you, you just no. can't disagree with the math. And at the time that we're doing this, and this is another reason why I don't use all-in-ones or at the time we're doing this um, as an example GrooveFunnels, although I think GrooveFunnels has great potential, uh, and so does Hey Summit, they're still in their betas. And if you're paying for that, you're paying for them to improve the platform. So yeah. $97 a month or whatever cost you're paying towards a platform that still needs improvement, that still has bugs, that doesn't have its full functionality versus $97 a month to a really established, bugs are pretty you know worked out in many respects, platform that we know can convert and an email marketing system that we know is going to do well, right? If you use Hey Summit for a summit, what are you going to do after the summit? Where are your funnels going to be? Hey Summit's for summits. Now what are you yeah, going to do? That's yeah. <laughs> People don't think of that, right? So that's why you mm. create a tech stack. So the last question I have is really about the benefits to the speakers. Okay. Because I've been peripherally aware of summits for a long time. And some summits would. And I don't think this is even possible anymore with GDPR and the, the sort of US equivalent where all the summit guests essentially got the list. So what's normal now in terms of list building benefit for the summit hosts, not hosts, summit speakers? Good question. And it depends on the summit. It depends on the host and the other experts. If the summit host has done a very, very good job, then the, there could be a really good list build. 
And if they promote you well enough and say, hey, you know what, I've got Bob on my summit. He's amazing. You got to check him out. You got to go to, you know, you got to go to www.amplifyme.agency and figure out, you know, check out what he's got going on because he's just amazing, right? So you, you can, the, the host helps personify and build up the expert and vice versa, but that's great. So you can, you know, I was on a summit, um, geez, it was probably in, it was probably in the fall of last year. It was a very big summit. It was really nice. It was good. And I ended up with over 250 leads just from that summit, right? So that's, I would say that's really, really great. I've also been on summits that I thought were going to be amazing and I've only had 15 leads. So it really mm. does depend on first on the host and how they're going to amplify you, but it also really depends also on that lead magnet you're going to create because let's be honest, if your lead magnet is not awesome and it's not in alignment with the summit, nobody's going to get it. So don't mm. have one lead magnet because if you're a prayer, if you're appearing on a summit, that's all about vegan raw food eating and your lead magnet is about how to you know how to make great cooked vegan meals nobody's going to go for it because you're on a raw, a raw vegan summit so make yeah. sure that you create a lead magnet that is that speaks to the topic that you're talking about so that makes a lot of sense i think for me now everything is really much clearer i was like i said i was very excited to speak to you because there were lots of black spots in the summit world for me and you've really helped shine a light on all of those. So that's super helpful. And I hope anybody listening that really wants to understand what works online, summits are huge. Summits are really the transformational place where big changes happen. So most list building things you do, they're long game. You can throw ads at a landing page for an, an opt-in and yeah, the, the velocity might climb a little bit. But if you want to go to zero to 100, a summit is an amazing way to do that. And I know for me, a summit is definitely on the horizon. And Jenny, for that, you've really helped clear up a lot of, like I said, dark spots. Thank you. So if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? If somebody's listening, thinking I need some Jenny in my summit, how do, I, <laughs> how do they make it happen? There's a couple of ways. At the time we're recording this, my website is under reconstruction, but you can go to my not so awesome website at jennywright.com. It might be fixed up by the time you see this and you can try and connect with me there on the, uh, there's a contact page. You can also honestly go and, and to the website, which is finished and quite well functioning, which is systemtothrive.com, which is my podcast website with my co-host, but it does have a way for you to connect with me there as well. And there are a ton of different resources available for you there if you want. Things about summits. There's, I've done a bunch of episodes on summits. Um, so there's lots for you to connect with me on that. Or you can just send me an email directly. I'm very, very accessible. Send me an email at jenny at jennywright.com and I will answer it. So I would just love to connect with people. Jenny, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? Listening to myself, trusting myself and building my own darn list quicker than I was building everybody else's. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Jenny, thank you so much for your time. You've been great fun. I knew I was going to enjoy speaking to you and I really, really did. So thank you so much for your time. Bob, this has been amazing. I'm so grateful. You've, you've asked some really incredible intrinsic questions that have just really made me think and hopefully have brought some really good help to other people. I just hope this was helpful and I appreciate the opportunity. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening, for your Apple podcast reviews and for all of you who share this show with friends. It means the world to me. 
My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Jenny for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week. 